Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast World Order, what wrestling is, was, and should be. I'm your host, Matt. Uh, in studio, I have the one and only Ben from Colorado. And uh, on Zoom tonight, we have the Dean of Old School, Dwight. And we have... I hear the- Ben's got another... No, whoa, whoa, whoa. Ben's got another uh, couple nicknames that we know we can't leave out. I mean... <laughs> Are we talking about the All-American Heel or the All-American no. American no. Heel? We're talking about no. the attractive guy on the end of the couch. Got it. Let's move on, Matt. I was about to say. It was also <laughs> dance, according to the outlanders, Zicky Dice. Right. To you, you, we, when you, when a legend like Harry Silken hands you a gimmick, you take I, it. Yeah. The handsome guy. That's true. So typically, I'm that. with you, but tonight we are literally burning money while we do this. So we have the head of talent relations, Cod Sinclair, with us. And... Mr. Ryan Kyington, who do we have? Oh, this man needs no introduction because he does a pretty damn I good job. I can actually handle my own introduction. Oh, I am tonight's extra special guest, yours truly, Jared Silberkleit, trust fund benefactor, and that's S-I-L-B-E-R-K-L-E-I-T. It's music to my ears. I could, uh, I could have done it better. Ooh. Oh, uh, you got a lot of middle class teams. You, you got to slow it down for them. So thank you. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, yeah. one and only. Anyone who carries my last name is in the family tree somewhere. <laughs> I, I gotta tell you, Mr. Silberclight, and once again, Mr. Silberclight, everyone. Uh, we're gonna need to get on some schmucks at Pro Wrestling Tees because I had a shirt that was trust fund approved that was supposed to arrive, and it's a day late now. So. Schmucks. Oh, it Schmucks. hasn't arrived yet. Oh, they're, no. they're back. They're backloaded. They're they're good people. They've done a lot of great things for the trust fund over the past uh, year or so. That my store has been live over there. So uh, we're not we're not going to disparage them. There's a lot of middle classers we can disparage on this show, but not Ryan Barkin, not the guys over at Pro Wrestling Tees. In fact, while we're at it, everyone should be sure to check out my Pro Wrestling Tees store, prowrestlingtees.com/slash Jared Silberclight Trust Fund. All one word, no spaces, no underscores. I mean, trust fund fund approval, right there. Right there. I mean, that's what the shirt says, right? Yeah. I it, mean, it is beautiful shirts. Beautiful. They are quite shirts. beautiful. I'm wearing mine right now, actually. All your viewers oh, can see. That's that's Perfect. the one I'm waiting for. You got it in white? Of course, of course. All right. When when your trust fund approved, it's got to be clean, right? The middle classers want black, so I gave them white. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's black. <laughs> so we know who the middle classer is. Exactly. There's a hierarchy. <laughs> and uh, if you're watching with us on Facebook, uh, that Pro Wrestling Tea Shop is in the comment section and pinned to the top. So, do yourself a favor, really. Help your financials. Um, you see a lot of improvement just buying the shirt. Yeah. I got improve paid twice portfolio, for it. Improve your 401k. I know you need money right now. Yep. What better way? Matt, uh, your income rose, what was it, 25% just by buying the shirt? Yeah. I went from being poor to slightly less poor. Mm. It was a great improvement. Exactly. Really Imagine, just it. think about where you'll be two months from now. Yeah. <sighs> I can't wait. Um, and we have we have a lot that we would love to talk with you about, Mr. Silverclight. But um, right. I, I have to be a fan for a moment because you, you told us a while ago how you've appeared for Ring of Honor um, twice. And uh, we here at the Podcast World Order really must bow down because we didn't realize it. One of your performances was at the UMBC where we had the absolute privilege of watching you. Not just the privilege, front row privilege. Oh, you guys were there on, on uh, that night in, uh, I believe it was March, uh, end of March last year? Yeah. Yep. We were there. We were there. Great. Yeah. Yeah, that was, um, that, that was pretty amazing. I mean, I actually, so I did um, a Ring of Honor tryout camp a few months uh, prior to that. And um, 
I was uh, I was invited to come back to their uh, dojo over in Baltimore, and um, it was really just the the day of the show. Um, had no idea until hours beforehand um, that yeah I appeared in the dark match, and then um, the second time was later on that summer. I was with the Thrill Ride, who I was managing over in Northeast Wrestling throughout last year and the end of 2018 as well. Um, so we were working together for a really long time and then we got to do it together when Ring of Honor was in Lowell, Massachusetts uh, as part of the Mass Hysteria show back in July. Okay. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, so are they going to be calling to try and set up a lucrative contract soon? Uh, I'm sorry, what's that? You got broken up. Oh, sorry. Are they? Uh, is Ring of Honor going to be calling soon to try and set up a lucrative contract as well? Uh, I, I sure hope so. I, I'd really love to work with Ring of Honor again. Um, it was uh, on a per date basis um, those couple of occasions last year. But I mean, those I I know a lot of people uh, within that company, and they're all great people. I would really love the opportunity to come back. And um, I mean, it seemed to go well the first couple times I was there. So yeah, I hope that when wrestling gets back into the swing of things, that uh, they're absolutely a place I would want to be again. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, now, I know Ring of Honor wasn't your first stop, and actually, uh, Mr. Silverclight, Dwight had found you on another promotion's website, actually. Hey, did, you, did you used to write for WWE at some point? I did used to write for WWE. Uh, before, <laughs> the, uh, before the trust fund days, before um, this all started, I was just a journalism major in college in Connecticut, and my junior year, I secured an internship for WWE's uh, digital content team. And yeah, I interned there. It was fall of 2014. And you can definitely check out some of my articles on the website. I, I know some of them have probably been backlogged because a lot of, I know that a lot of what they had me working on was previews, like previews for SmackDown, previews for pay-per-view matches. And the way the site was set up back then, it might still be, um, but once the event happened, the preview articles would be kind of deactivated so you could still see a couple results articles or recaps on there uh, with my byline but yeah most of it i think has been backlogged but i was there from september 2014 through november 2014 and mm. a little easter i did work uh, very close proximity to the late great howard finkel and joey styles awesome oh. mm. I can see the styles, uh, the styles and uh, inspiration a little bit in your in your promo work. You you, you sometimes uh, you could be mistaken for Joey Styles. Some of your Not the first time I've heard that, it, and it's funny because I was actually a ring announcer and I did interviews and commentary before I transitioned to managing. And especially when when I put on my glasses, people said that it, I was like a spitting image. People thought I was his son. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go. Oh my god. I did steal that a time or two. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to, so working with them at, in WWE and getting to uh, be with them firsthand, is that kind of where you uh, made the decision to kind of look at ring announcer and interview? I was already doing ring announcing on the side prior to and after. I started around when I was about 18 years old, 2010, 2011. I found out that there was an independent promotion that was – doing shows five minutes down the street from where I went to high school. And I had some of my friends in high school were friends with a couple of the wrestlers on the show. And that's how I got involved. I always wanted to go into sports casting and I saw it as kind of an opportunity to expand my public speaking experience and get in front of live crowds, that sort of thing. I honestly always saw myself either going into like the straight man broadcast aspect or production behind the scenes and that continued probably for a couple of years after, after the internship as well. That was kind of just fostering, um, you know, my love for wrestling as well as again, like my interest in the content production aspect. And it wasn't until about 2017 that I made the transition to managing. Wow. Okay. That's incredible. Um, so then we know internship at WWE what what turned you into a wrestling fan to begin with? Was there a superstar, a wrestler, a certain feud? Um, what got me? In, I got into wrestling a little bit later than most. I know that a lot of people are surprised when I tell them this, but I didn't really start watching full time 
until 2007 because my stepbrother was a big fan and he's the one who got me into watching Raw regularly. I think the first match that I watched beginning to end that captivated my interest was Shawn Michaels versus Kurt Angle from WrestleMania 21. So, and and I always think, I always tell people it's kind of interesting because the first thing that got my attention as far as making me a fan of wrestling was the strict in-ring, you know, workhorse-like matches where they're just going out like straight up, leaving it all out there in the ring. And when I, from where I wound up in wrestling, where I kind of am obviously lean more heavily into the uh, sports entertainment aspect of it and like the over-the-top persona and the character work and that sort of thing. But what really got me into it was pretty much uh, the in-ring and Shawn Michaels was the first one that I was a big fan of. Uh, WrestleMania 23, I think, was the first one that I watched live. And yeah, from about there on out, I was a fan and I've never looked back. I think that was the one that had the Battle of the Billionaires, right? Sure did. Oh, boy. Uh-huh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Who knew? Who would have known that Bobby Lashley's manager would be the president? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> People think I'm nuts when I tell them that my first impression of Vince McMahon is like, oh, oh yeah, the bald guy. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that's funny. Yeah. So you've mentioned you've done quite a bit of work with, I believe it's Northeast Wrestling. Yes. Uh, how did you get involved with them? So that independent promotion that I was telling you about um, that was running – right by where I went to high school. So they were active up until about 2013. And 2013 was when the owner, so the promotion was called CTWE and the owner decided to close up shop and Northeast Wrestling took over that building, which is in Bethany, Connecticut, because Northeast Wrestling was always doing these big shows um, all over the region, whether it was Connecticut, New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, um, et cetera. And they wanted kind of a home base where they could do monthly shows um, kind of with more of the, the local guys, because obviously like, you know, getting the, the big name, um, you know, wrestlers from, you know, XWWE or TNA or ROH or, you know, uh, you can't do those shows as frequently as a local show. So they take over that building and kind of absorb some of the talent from CTWE and I kind of had to start over a little bit because after doing some announce work for CTWE, I had to kind of re-earn my stripes, if you will. And I kind of entered with the same aspirations of just doing the announcing. And um, a lot of it was proximity at first, but it was, it was great because it, that was where I went from. I had this limited view of where I could go with wrestling, where I just thought, oh, it's a fun, it's a kind of a neat little thing that there's this little promotion that's in my hometown. And then when I get involved with NEW and we start taking this out of the state and I start meeting different people, going different places, it kind of opened my eyes like, wow, there's a whole wrestling world out there and you can actually make a career doing this. Yeah. And, you know, so you say you started in 2017. Is that what you said at NEW was before that? So 2017 was when I started managing. But when I first started working for NEW, as far as like production, um, announcing, that sort of thing was... 2013, 2014. Okay. Yeah, because I was going to, I mean, that 2016, 2017 was some pretty big years for NEW. I mean, you guys had, I mean, NEW had Cody when he first uh, left WWE, did a bunch of matches, former champ. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. 2016 was the. Oh, you go ahead, man, because it was a, that was a year to be there. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So with Cody, he, he debuted for NEW. It was, I think it might've even been his first independent date after leaving WWE. So we actually, we had this gigantic weekend in 2016 because basically every year Northeast wrestling over the summer, they have a bunch of shows in minor league baseball stadiums. They call it the wrestling under the stars tour. And we go to a bunch of different ballparks around the area. We've been everywhere from um, Dutchess County in New York to um, Ohio to Pennsylvania to the Berkshires in Massachusetts. So because of a rainout, we originally had this three-show weekend lined up, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. 
because of a rain out of a previous show, uh, we had to reschedule for the Thursday of that weekend. And then on that Saturday, we actually had another small show at a fair in New York the same day as the bigger show at the stadium that night. So we basically had five shows in four days. And for one independent company to undertake this was just, I mean, you know, this is something that it was basically a WWE like schedule that you really wouldn't see on, you know, practically like, you know, any other promotion anywhere in the world, you could say. And that was like, that was Cody's first uh, turn with Northeast and, uh, yeah, what a way to kick it off. Everybody was just kind of like the end of the weekend. We're like, wow, we did that. Yeah, yeah you guys yeah. have had some huge matches at NEW. I mean, you know, we had Kenny Omega uh, and Pentagon Jr. And I mean, the list goes on and on. I, you know, it's and, and I was I actually had in, in my listening to, you know, getting prepared to talk to you. Um, I mean, Kurt Angle even had a quote. It was like, NEW is not, I'm, NEW is just NEW. It's not an indie. And I was like. It's pretty big words coming from Kurt Angle. That's pretty, pretty. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I mean, um, it, it really is a unique experience. I probably have, you know, <laughs> I almost feel a little guilty, like, you know, referring to it as, as an independent myself, because in so many ways, it doesn't fit that definition whatsoever. I mean, because especially in the case of a lot of these larger shows with both the attendance figures to the talent featured on the show, I mean, where you're sitting around the locker room looking around and you think to yourself, like, you know, this is pretty much as good a roster as anything you would see on national television um, out there right now. So yeah, the, just the pedigree of the, of the talent that we have here is really, it's really something to behold. It's such a unique experience. Selfishly, I got to ask, do they still do the tours at the minor league baseball stadiums? Yeah, no, no, yeah, it's, it's absolutely still um, still a thing. I mean, we would have had uh, several events like that lined up for this summer if it wasn't for, uh, you know, the whole situation with COVID, of course. But it's crazy how much it grew because at first it was Wrestling Under the Stars, the annual event at Dutchess Stadium, which is near Poughkeepsie, New York. You know, the, that was like the one ballpark show. And then after a few years of that, because it was such a big success, um, it started expanding to ballparks of other teams that are in the same league and um to see it grow from you know one ballpark show to three and then up to i think uh, you know one year we had six so it definitely seems to be an annual thing of these outdoor shows and i really love the fact that uh we've been able to have such successful large-scale outdoor events because i always felt that wrestling should take advantage of being outdoors when there's nice weather. I think it's a great way to kind of break the monotony from, you know, because you see there's a lot of promotions out there and when a lot of them run in buildings that kind of look the same, it all kind of blurs together. And I, I think it's really great that NEW is able to forge its own identity with these outdoor shows, whether it's a baseball stadium or Six Flags. Uh, the last couple of years that shows at Six Flags Great Adventure over in Jersey. That reminds me, being the dean of old school, that reminds me of, it certainly brings up the Great American Bash, you know, which was the NWA used to do the same thing over the summer. And I myself, as a young chap at Lynchburg City Stadium, they used to, Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling would run shows at the at the baseball field. In the summertime, I saw uh, Ric Flair versus Blackjack Mulligan, thank you, at the age of nine back in the day. But yeah, the outdoors, it was, it's just, it's a, it's a different, it's a different uh, aesthetic. And, and I think it really gives that big fight feel, you know, like the, you know, Muhammad Ali and Yankee Stadium kind of thing. We, uh, yeah, absolutely. We're going to need to, as soon as all this, this COVID is over, we're going to need to, I guess, start campaigning, get you guys to come a little south here to Virginia. We just actually had a, a minor league team come to Fredericksburg here. Yeah. So see if we can convince someone to, to get y'all down here for us. Oh, yeah, we'd, lo- we'd love to do it. Yeah. I mean, put in a word. It'd be, it'd be great. We, um, I think the furthest south that we went uh, one year was, uh, I want to say it was North Carolina. I think it was Asheville. No, no I, not Ash. It was, it was in North Carolina, though. Okay. Um, yeah. It was, it was about an hour from Charlotte. I'm forgetting the name of it, but it was a few years ago. And we were also in West Virginia, um, Morgantown. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, Mon County uh, Black Bears. 
Mm-hmm. Last, yeah, that was last year. Right, I'd on. say, and our, our owner, his name is Art Silver, so maybe a long lost relative lost the last part of your name. It's a Silver, oh. though. Silver. No, Silver. Silver. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, like they just lost the clite, so maybe. Long, long lost cousin, maybe. We'll see who we can pull. Oh, Probably possible, because they're a middle class. The, if, if that's the case, then he's not owning it. You know, he. He kowtowed to the middle classers. He shortened it up to accommodate their lack of knowledge of the English language. Valid. <laughs> Very valid. You know, there's, some, there's some members of the family, you know, that I'm not on speaking terms with. In fact, I'm actually uh, related to uh, Nancy Silberclight, uh, who is uh, the CEO of Archie Comics, oh, which geez. I guess uh, makes me, in a way, if you really want to know where the trust fund came from, I'm kind of, in a way the heir to the Archie Comics empire. So that's wow. where all the money's being funneled in from. But Nancy and I have never met in person. Oh, well, the big guy. Okay. Uh, with Riverdale, Riverdale made all the different things, right? That's right. Yeah. Wow. Um, first, we have a question here in the comment section here. All right. Uh, so he starts off with beautiful home. Um, but Thank he you. wants to know, which managers have you tried to draw influence from throughout your career? At first, I was definitely modeling myself after Paul Heyman because – and one, one big reason for that was because, obviously, Paul Heyman is known for managing Brock Lesnar. And the first person I started managing was Wrecking Ball Ligurski, who completely fits the mold of your prototypical 1980s, uh, you know, early 90s WWF kind of monster, right? So, like, the, the classic manager-monster dynamic was right there, and I couldn't help but – draw inspiration from Heyman. I mean, we both kind of have the, the Jewish heritage and both from this part of the country. So, uh, you know, there's kind of a little <laughs> similar sounding qualities to our voice, uh, which, um, which I totally owned in the beginning, but I wanted to distance myself uh, from that afterwards. I, I always thought that like, I could kind of ramp up the obnoxious um, both in, you know, my delivery as well as the way I dress. Um, and I think it kind of there, the more high energy aspect of the character, I think draws a little bit from Jim Cornette as well. So, I mean, that's something that I've gotten from people is that some kind of a Heyman Cornette hybrid. I'm trying to do my own thing, but they're definitely two people that I draw heavy inspiration from. Also, it's interesting I- that you uh, mentioned uh, Wrecking Ball was one of the first uh, people you managed because we're actually going to have him on the show on June 1st. Monday. I saw that. <laughs> Monday. Yeah. So, looking forward. I was going to say, I. Back to managing inspirations. Didn't I see Jimmy Hart like take a swing at you at some point? Yeah, he did actually. That was, um, yeah, that was that was a confrontation. Uh, it was actually only my, I want to say it was my fourth ever show managing. So it, it, I had a couple warm ups locally in Connecticut, and then a couple weeks later we went on to Ohio and. Next thing you know, I'm sharing a ring with Jimmy Hart. Um, and uh, yeah, that was, I mean, I, it was kind of like thrown into the fire right away because that summer um, I squared off with him. Uh, there was a match where Ricky Steamboat was the guest referee and uh, got knocked out by him there. And Mick Foley gave me the mandible claw a couple times. So that was uh, summer 17, my, uh, uh, my baptism into the world of managing. <laughs> Yeah, you've uh, taken some interesting uh, uh, attacks from people. I, uh, just off the top of my head, uh, you had the tables match with Bully Ray. Correct. Uh, you were diamond colored by David Arquette. I was. Uh, the one I want to know, though, is how did it feel to get speared by Hornswoggle? <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's just like, I mean... Man, it, it's it's like getting hit in the stomach with like the world's hardest thrown dodgeball. You know what I mean? Uh, just, I mean, I guess I'm thankful it wasn't the tadpole splash, right? But I mean, that True. was because that that True. was that was a full match right there. That wasn't just you know one fall. Um, so I I got a stunner from him. Then Mick Foley got in the ring. He got rid of Wrecking Ball with the claw. And then next thing I know, I turn around. There's Hornswoggle, you know, darting across the ring. And <laughs> one, two, three, I lose. Oh. I I know Mick Foley is like I guess the champion for the common man, but like at what point is this just assault and harassment? 
Because it's like a repeated thing, from my understanding. That's what I'm saying. I, I mean, I, I think that, like, you know, he's like he's definitely got it out for me. I feel like he's just haunting me. You know, whenever Northeast Wrestling runs a major event, I got to, you know, have my head on a swivel, look in both ways to make sure Mick Foley isn't ready to sneak up behind me. Mick Foley, man. Uh, we have another question here uh, in the comment section. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I kind of like this one. Uh, if yes. you could build a, a dream stable to manage, who would you enlist? And they're saying kind of the uh, the four horsemen layout or evolution. So champ, your heavy, and the two and the tag team. Oh my! I guess God. wow. Everyone in the business right now. <laughs> Every everyone's available, huh? Everyone. Wow! Holy no smokes! No one you can't buy. <laughs> Alive or dead? Uh, yeah. What the yeah, hell? Yeah, why not? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. We're putting um, you on the spot. <laughs> all right, Bam Bam's got to be there. Give me Bam Bam, Earthquake, and, uh, huh. Difficult. It's coming to me. Um, let's just, let's just go all in with the beef here. We're going to go Bam Bam, Earthquake, and Demolition. <laughs> love it. I'll take it. Wow. Yeah. Uh, try, try that on for size at Survivor <laughs> Series, huh? No one, no one surviving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there will be no moonsaults from Skyler for Tugboat. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, Bam Bam can do a moonsault, but not none of the other guys. They'll be the alternate. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I used to tell Wrecking Ball that, that, you know, he should at meet and greets tell people that he's Tugboat's son and people would totally buy it. <laughs> I could definitely yeah. see that. <laughs> I think the real sure Tugboat actually that. likes him. I think he follows him on Instagram and likes a lot of his posts, too. So I'm like, dude, like, there's your in. That's right. Get his Easy blessing. Money. He'll probably give it. What's that? Um, I have a personal question here. So I know you've managed uh, and had moments with a lot of people we've already talked about, but also Jack Swagger, currently known as Jake Hager. Correct. Um, oh, my, uh, my long lost brother. <laughs> yeah. Oh my but, gosh. Uh, but not that again. Uh, I assume you saw everything that happened this weekend with the stadium stampede. Um, and unfortunately with the inner circle losing, um, it looks to me like they could also use some better management as well. Uh, any in there with Hager? With Hager. Um, <laughs> I actually haven't caught up yet on the stadium stampede, but uh, we'll, we'll see if uh, if uh, Hager and I have uh, have made up or not. Um, our interactions haven't been on the, uh, you know, didn't end on the best of terms uh, during his time in NEW, but never know. Maybe he'll come back around and we can reconcile a little bit. Um, it was it was a few times I got to work uh, with Jake, actually. Um, he, he wrestled Wrecking Ball several times. The first time was at the end of 2017, and it was just kind of like a one-off. But, I mean, we all, like, you know, we're kind of happy with the way it went. And then uh, it's great because their paths crossed just about six, seven months later when Wrecking Ball was the Northeast Wrestling champion. They were co-main event of uh, one of those Under the Stars shows. And um, it's just great because, like, you know, first, like, you know, you th they meet and it's like a special attraction one-off. And then they come back and it's for the championship and, you know, a main event um, spot on the card. And just to see, you know, how the chemistry developed too, um, and how you could really see the leap forward. And for Jake, I mean, I remember his first Northeast Wrestling event was, I think, the first non WWE event that I think he ever competed in. So the way he's been able to um, adapt and, uh, you know, show that range, I mean, it, it was crazy uh, for me to see that firsthand. Mm, for sure. Now, we, we, um, here at, at the Podcast World Order are huge fans of one of the uh, legends of Northeast Wrestling. Um, that would be one Mr. Matt Taven. We're huge Matt That's right. So um, did you ever get a chance to work with Matt when he was there or uh, the, the TK and Vinny when they were there? Um, we uh, have yet to work with um, Matt directly. Uh, TK and Vinny uh, had some interactions with them summer of 18. We actually did, I think it was basically kind of the same routine um, where basically they, I think they came out kind of for a, um, like after the match to kind of throw me back in 
um, so that I could, uh, you know, be at the mercy of uh, somebody on a couple of those stadium shows during that summer. But I know all three of those guys extremely well uh, because um, I train with them at their school over in Rhode Island that they run, uh, the Kingdom Wrestling School um, in West Warwick. Uh, so that's another plug there. Um, I mean, they it's it's really great because they they rotate, you know, who leads the classes. So the students get to, you know, everybody's got a, their own, you know, their own style, you know, teaching style and things they specialize in. And it's a different flavor depending on who's running. So, I mean, yeah, it's been really great to learn from all three of those guys because they all have such different perspectives. For sure. Awesome. So what's been uh, one of the bigger things that you kind of hold on to from, from training and learning from all of them? I mean, uh, like your, your big, big takeaway from it. Um, I mean, they kind of gave me a crash course in managing, plain and simple, uh, because once the opportunity came up, uh, you know, it was like, that was my first stop was like, you know, get down to that school. And like, I knew that, um, you know, they, they thought I'd be good for the character, you know, at Northeast uh, to try to kind of give this thing a try. Uh, but now I had to figure out, okay, like, you know, how do I move? Like, you know, how do I conduct myself at ringside? You know, I've, I've been, I've been around wrestling. Yeah. I've been in a ring and I've, I've taken bumps before, but to really figure out, you know, like, how does a manager behave? How do you, you know, kind of work in a unison with the match without taking away from it? Um, they really kind of, I mean, collectively just gave me that crashed course in managing. So, I mean, I think the one takeaway um, would kind of be the one, if I had to pinpoint just like one thing that I really never would have occurred to me is the idea that as a manager, you're almost like um, selling for your guy in the ring, whether he's on the offense or on the defense, almost like in a way how Damian Sandow did it for the Miz, um, you know, the, the pantomiming thing when he was imitating the Miz, it was told to me, you know, that's kind of what a manager does. And that's yeah. just, and something that I, you know, after all the years of watching wrestling, um, never really like, you know, it, you kind of have that aha moment. I was like, oh, as soon as you said that, Sandow was the first thing that came to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, perfect. Um, so that's oh, something man, that's too, good. like with these with these no crowd shows that I've noticed, I mean, you can hear a lot more of that. Right. It's not people drowning it out. And I had, and having gone to shows, you see that at the sh- when you go live, you can hear that too. And it's it adds to it the trash talk and the things where they're yelling at the ref. And I mean, that's that's something as a fan that I appreciated, and you, you really don't get that when you're watching it on television. Of course, I, I, you know it's stuff where like, you know, when there are fans in attendance. It's like, you know, sometimes only the people in the very, very first or second row can can hear it. And you kind of almost, re- as a performer, you almost rely on their reaction to get someone else to react, who gets someone else to react until it spreads to the people all the way out there. But, I mean, it is loud in there to where, you know, you, you can't, like, rely on somebody, you know, in the 10th row hearing exactly what you're saying all the time so sometimes you just have to rely on that chain reaction and it's it's crazy with this uh it's obviously a new experience that a lot of people are getting used to with this empty arena atmosphere and it's just crazy the things um both like from uh you know a fan's perspective and from you know a talent's perspective just little things that you wouldn't ordinarily be able to pay attention to it definitely seems like the um no, the no crowd experience has almost pulled the veil back on, I mean, just everything in ring. The smack talk from the wrestlers, managers, everything is almost oh, like yeah. uh, magnified. Mm-hmm. Yep, um, for sure. So I have to ask, just because of the controversy around these characters, I know you've worked with Enzo and Cass. Can you uh, tell us what that was like? Um, I mean, first, let me, you know, if, if the I know that um, some people are curious to hear about, you know, how, how they were and everything like that. Complete professionals. You know, I, I have, so I have nothing but positive things to say about both of them. Uh, the first time that we worked with them, it was interesting because because Cass was wrestling twice on 
the show and it was kind of like back to back. We were out there, um, Cass beat Thrill Ride really quickly. And then he wrestled John Moxley right after that in the main event. And that was another one of those things where we thought, oh, like, all right, maybe it was cool as this like little one-off deal. And then we ended up working together repeatedly, basically the entire summer. The, the match, you know, went so well that, you know, with Northeast Wrestling, we just kind of kept doing it over and over again. So um, as time grew, you know, they, they got really comfortable with us. And it's one of those things where you, you see these guys on TV um, and then you see them for the first time um, at NEW, um, you know, kind of, you know, out of that environment. And then you get to a point where like, you know, they become your peers and, you know, there was absolutely that trust between us. Um, you know, they were really receptive to ideas. Uh, Cass, let me just say, you know, big cast, he throughout the summer was progressively like he worked so hard to like really like, you know, get back into really good shape. And he like every time I saw him I was like, you know, he looked better than the last time. And uh, yeah, working with both of them was a blast. There were some shows where Enzo uh, was involved in the match and some shows where he wasn't. But altogether, we had to have worked together about, I'd say like six, yeah, probably six or seven times over the course of two or three months. Um, I had to ask just because I feel like everyone has that they're wonderful guys and they're living their personas. So I think it's always just really curious to see, you know, what, what the backstage experience is firsthand, like hearing it from you. Right. Um, and I yeah. mean, you know, obviously Enzo, like Enzo is who he is. You know, I think that anyone in wrestling, you know, you can't, if you have an over the top character or persona, you can't fake it. You know, it has to be like you hear it all the time, an extension of who you are. And that that is just, you know, you talk to Enzo backstage and that that is how he is out on camera. He just, you know, presents himself in that way because it's it's natural for him. And uh, I, I mean, some that people are like that. I mean, I'm sure like, you know, people know uh, people like that in their everyday lives who just, you know, they know that they light up a room and draw that attention to themselves. When they start talking, people pay attention um and yeah i mean you hear it all the time in wrestling the best characters are extensions of your true self and you know with those guys it's it's them to a t that's awesome that's actually really rewarding to hear so i have noticed too another i mean the guys that you're managing now or more well not now obviously recently um i mean usually you have like you're talking about the paul Heyman, where you have the the manager who's the who's the talker for the big guy or whatever and it seems like uh that I mean, that's not really necessary. You just sort of add to what they already have. Or need to be able to talk fine on their own. You're talking about managing guys who can who can talk for themselves, be their yeah. promos, that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Um. So that was kind of like my first challenge with uh, working with Thrill Ride was something right. that I was you know a little a little curious about. First of all, at that time, I was kind of only working with wrecking ball during my first year or so managing so the idea of like being with anyone else was kind of like oh this is going to take a little getting used to and it really was necessary for me to step out of my comfort zone and kind of uh you know forge my own identity i'm not wrecking balls manager i'm jared you know the manager that kind of thing and with uh so with thrill ride who um you know a lot of some people may not know but if you check out his social media, you'll know that this guy is like an absolute, you know, gigantic ball of charisma. He's one of the most charismatic people that I've ever met in my entire life. The guy can, you know, he could monologue for three hours straight. People would feel like they got their money's worth. But we found a way to bounce off of each other in a way that I think felt natural. And where we both added to what each other already were and didn't take away and kind of reminded me a little bit of the Bobby Heen and Nick Bockwinkle kind of dynamic. I think if you go back and look at old footage of those guys, it's evidence on how, you know, in a, you know, at a very prominent level uh, with two well-known, you know, hall of fame talents, it can work where the manager isn't necessarily just the mouthpiece. Sometimes a manager is a necessary storytelling piece um, in who can serve in a different way. And, um, 
you know, I, I think that, yeah, it, it's an easy thing to say, oh, this guy can't do a promo, so we got a guy to talk for him. But sometimes, you know, the storytelling just kind of lends itself to that type of character. And there, it, it creates, you know, different dynamics. So the way that I would behave around Thrill Ride or Richard Holiday from MLW is totally different than the way I would act around Wrecking Ball or Bear Country or, um, you know, Brian Malone has worked with him on uh, several occasions as well. And I know he was on the show too. Uh, but yeah, friend I mean, of the yeah show. I'm really thankful. Yeah, that's Brian's right. a great friend of the show. Good, good. Glad to hear it. He's a great guy. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm personally, I'm thankful that I've gotten to work with all these different people just because it helps. Uh, it's helped me to prepare for, you know, all these different situations and knowing like, you know, when I'm going to need to do all the talking, when I need to do only a little bit of the talking and, you know, switching it up. Yeah, I was going to add that you, uh, being the dean of old school, and so I have to bring up all the old school examples. I mean, it's a it's a J.J. Dillon situation where, you know, J.J. Dillon was there with obviously probably three of the all-time greatest talkers. You know, right. Horseman with Arn and Rick Flair and Tully Blanchard. And, you know, th that was, and he found a way to compliment as the manager, and he was a part of the team. And, uh, you know, that's all. So I, mean, th I guess that's some more homework for you guys to do. Bobby Heenan and Nick Bockwinkle. <laughs> and the four horsemen Dylan, yep Dylan and the horsemen exactly well and, and doing my research for the show and, and watching the highlight reel i really got a very like heenan family vibe in that you know you're the manager but you're also the front man you know you're you're the star of the show when need be you know um and i definitely think i feel like there's not enough of that in wrestling right now um Right. I mean, I think that, um, you know, especially like in like NEW is obviously my home promotion where I've done like, you know, the bulk of my work the last few years. And um, I think that, you know, establishing my character to the level that I have has, you know, had benefits for the guys um, who have who I've worked with in the sense that like, um, you know, guys come out and then when the audience like kind of, uh, you know, sees me there. Um, you know, and instantly draws that connection. And like, it, inst it just instantly gives someone a story, gives them a direction and attaches that heat. And yeah, I mean, I'm kind of the thread that links these wrestlers together when we've gone like bigger with the stable. Cause again, start with just like, it was just me and wrecking ball, just the two of us, that was it. And then it expanded to having, you know, um, having the stable where I've had, you know, two or three guys at a time. So that kind of, you know, creates that alliance. Again, it creates uh, all these different storyline, storytelling possibilities. And uh, at the same time, I mean, it's the thread that links the wrestlers, but it's still about the wrestlers. And it's about, uh, you know, doing my part to, you know, make them as successful as they can possibly be and funnel all the audience's attention to what they're doing in the ring you know, I can, obviously I can get my heat and I can, you know, do what I do, but it's all got to trace back to what's going on in the ring and, you know, what they're trying to accomplish. Fantastic. And the aspirations of being like a diamond Dallas page, who goes from being a manager and later in life has a run with the world title. Any, any uh, thoughts about that for you? Well, I've had a couple matches. Um, I, I had my match with Swoggle back in uh, 2018 and, I think uh, just a month after that, I had a match with Flip Gordon, and I can absolutely see myself doing things like that going forward. I mean, obviously, I wouldn't have gotten into this if I didn't enjoy some of the physicality to a degree. Uh, personally, I think right now, I I like the idea of doing novelty matches like that. I like the idea of, you know, if there's a storyline reason where I'm forced into a match, you know, that has a lot more weight than, um, uh, I guess... You know, especially like, you know, being a manager right now, if I were to transition into like, you know, the, the regular in-ring appearances, um, I, I wouldn't want to dilute it. I wouldn't want to make it less special, but I would absolutely, I mean, I'm going to obviously have still been training and I want to still be able to do those kind of novelty matches from time to time when, you know, the timing is right, when it's the right people, the right story, the right setting, situations like that i i definitely want to have that versatility uh, but i mean if i'm being totally honest when i first started managing i knew that some people saw it as a bit of a lost art some people saw it as a part of the business that had 
faded a little bit. It was just that, you know, we like, we don't have those anymore. That was, you know, that was, that was 80s. That was 90s. You know, the rest, wrestlers don't need that anymore. Well, I kind of wanted to be that guy to prove them wrong. That, like, no, like, you know, this is an important part of the show. And I'm going to show you how valuable a manager can be when it's done well. Yeah. That, that was my next <laughs> question. So you answered that for me. <laughs> That's fantastic. Mind reading is another one of my uh, many talents. Uh, so you... <laughs> kind of briefly mentioned it but can you expand on it how you kind of while still being a manager and a mouthpiece uh during a match how you kind of get improve the match uh sitting or being ringside um i mean i think you know obviously you got like you know the easiest stuff like you know like cheering for my guy and like you know, reacting like overly positive when it's going well, overly negative when it's going bad. Um, I think that, and, and thankfully this real, I've, I've been, Lord knows I've been blessed to work with some extremely talented performers where, I mean, I, I can't say that I've, you know, I, I've been a part of many dead spots at ringside, but if at, if at any point in time, you know, there, you kind of like instinctually know if there is a down period in the match, uh, where, you know, you have that opportunity to kind of like, you know, make eye contact with somebody at ringside and try to like, you know, rile them up with, with like, maybe it's even using hand motions to gesture them toward the, um, what's going on in the ring. If there is a moment where things have quieted down and, um, you know, maybe wrestlers are on the cell or something like that. Um, as long as they're not doing something at that moment that the audience is supposed to be paying attention to, then you kind of know, okay, that's my time to kind of, you know, get the people's attention and direct that attention where it needs to go. Okay. Cool, man. I, I, I would suggest here for one of your uh, matches, um, though not so often, I know there's a certain wrestler um, with a body part that's, uh, that's fairly unique. I think you and Joey Ryan would make a good matchup. Just saying, that sounds like money to me. Yeah. Is I was wondering where you were going with the unique body. Yeah, part. <laughs> <laughs> I was concerned for a second. It's like you want yeah. to take a dick. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Joey, you know I'd, I'd I'd love to work with Joey one day. Um, I think actually he was supposed to come uh to come up to uh Connecticut for I, I think it was for Northeast um. Maybe about a year and a half ago, um, there was a uh, th there was a travel complication and a rescheduling. I think that would have been the first uh, show that I would have been on with him. But uh, yeah, I mean nothing but uh, nothing but the best for uh, for Joey and his uh, unique endeavors in professional wrestling. And I hope our paths cross. I'd pay money for that. I'd pay money to see it. Yeah. Oh dear God. I think Jeff's not here. Yeah. Oh, the purist isn't couldn't be on the show. The, the melding, the uh, and the the synergy that that would create. I mean, we might have to have trust fund after dark for that. <laughs> Ooh, I was about to say we're, we don't need any more. Be uncharted ideas. territory. You know, I always tell people on Twitter. You know, you won't catch any curse words. The trust fund is safe for your children. That's what I tell them. <laughs> oh man, so so Danhausen would love you. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, Dan, yeah, that's another another one who I would I'd love to meet. Have not met yet. Uh, hopefully, our paths do cross. Um, man, I, I would love to. I'd love to purchase the services of Dan Housen to create trust fund housing. Oh, oh, uh, we can we can start this on Twitter. We can do it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all for it. Green instead of white and black. <laughs> oh, I love. Oh, so where this. do I put my money for trust fund housing? I don't know. Um, Pro Wrestling Tees Pro at wrestling com slash Jared Silverclight Trust Fund. There we go. There we go. Reading my mind again. God. Too good. Uh, now I got to ask. So the diamond cutter from David Arquette, is yes. this when he was on his, uh, God, I, I want to say redemption tour, but I feel like it's it shouldn't be called that. I mean, his, his re-debut into professional wrestling. That was kind of a bonus stop on the tour, I would say, because – the uh, the height of his run, so man, so David Ar so David Arquette, I think that his reemergence was 2018, because his first appearance for NEW was September 2018, and then he 
So he he wrestled in in matches here and there um, from then through about uh, yeah it was it was into the, the spring he would make a sporadic appearance every couple of months basically and at that point his last match was at the prison break show which was at the mid hudson civic center that was pentagon versus john moxley in the main event but david teamed up with brian anthony to wrestle jerry lawler and uh keith youngblood so that was the last match that he had at that point and then he just made an appearance at the show where he diamond cuttered me that was about a month later in september uh there were some people I know that there was uh, there was some interest uh, from some fans who were advocating for uh, a match between myself and uh, Deputy Dewey, but, <laughs> but I don't I don't even I don't know if he's actually had um, a match uh, for anyone since then. And so uh, I mean, hey, never say never. I would I'd be open to it. Uh, obviously, we have unfinished business, and I need some revenge. So you know, maybe uh, yeah. take off this suit. You know, show off those fists. washboard abs. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, you've been, you've been, yeah, you've been keeping up with Twitter. Tw- Twitter. <laughs> Doing my research. Yeah. I always say, it's been. What, what's that thing that's been going around Twitter lately? You know, like, dear men, uh, what's preventing you from looking like this? I mean, <laughs> come, on, come on, guys. Yeah. Step the game up. Waiting, uh, waiting, waiting for somebody to say the Stillbrook system, uh, but I haven't seen it yet. Oh, that's right. <laughs> The Silberclite system. You know, actually, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I did put out something similar. I might have to, to repost that, but uh, there, there's a training video that we put together when I was getting ready to wrestle uh, Flip Gordon uh, where um, you can see, uh, you know, it's a little 90-second montage of uh, Wrecking Ball training me for that match. <laughs> and uh, I, w- I was absolutely in peak trust fund approved condition. Okay. The only reason I lost was because the owner of Northeast Wrestling, Mike Lombardi, was the referee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my Lombardi. And you would have think he would have been on your side after how much you'd be, you've done for him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You would think so, but he's just there to screw me at every turn. I mean, I can't tell you the amount of times that Michael has uh, either you know personally ejected me from ringside or you know changed <laughs> matches to tag team on the fly, banned me from ringside. It's it's just been you know a, a, such an unsafe work environment. So what I'm hearing is uh, we may be getting a silver clay uh, Lombardi match. That, that's Lombardi. another rumor that has uh, has festered along the uh, NEW fan base. I mean, it's it's easy to brainstorm, right? It's easy to come up with all the what ifs uh, now that uh, you know we're in this kind of limbo with uh, pro wrestling. But yeah, I mean, stay tuned. You never know uh, what the next chapter will uh, will unfold, um, as far as that goes, but uh, we've definitely had our share of, uh, of, let's just say difference of opinion over the last couple of years. <laughs> well, and you know, I've noticed too, you've, you've employed, um, a, a tool I hadn't seen in wrestling before the injunction. I've noticed you've had quite a few, uh, injunctions, uh, that you, that I had you a couple. Used. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. We, we had the injunction to, uh, Yes, uh, ban uh, tables from the building um, <laughs> at WrestleFest last year for the Bully Ray match. That didn't work. Uh, I had the injunction to uh, ban Enzo from ringside. That didn't work. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, we, we've made some changes uh, to the Trust Fund legal department uh, during COVID. Okay. 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 Yeah. And the great thing is we have, a, we have a perfect excuse to furlough them. Right. There you go. Yeah. They're not essential. Obviously not essential. Clearly not. <laughs> So we're, we're wrapping up here into our last uh, roughly eight minutes. Uh, right. So I wanted to ask this. if I mean, obviously, your money on the mic. Is there anyone specifically who you'd like to go one-on-one with in a promo? One-on-one with in a promo. Uh, that, huh. Like a rap battle. <laughs> <laughs> like a except, rap battle. Except with talking. <laughs> Without music, <laughs> there are there there are some folks in AEW that I'd like to uh, I'd I'd like to have a little uh, a little promo battle, if you will. Um, they've got obviously they got some managers on their end, some of the best to ever do it: Jake Roberts, Arn Anderson, or maybe just maybe Chris Jericho. Mm-hmm. Oh, that'd be good. That'd be good. Yeah. <laughs> 
That would be golden. The former uh, Les Champion. Uh, anyone over in AEW that you'd be interested in adding as an asset? Oh, pl- oh, there's plenty. Um, let me tell you this. I, when I see Wardlow over there, you know, I, I, I can't help but think, you know, I mean, see, see, that's the thing. You know, he's obviously aligned with, with MJF, but, you know, I don't wrestle. So I'm not, I'm not taking any of the spotlight away from him. Right. right. Why be a bodyguard sidekick when you could be a main event player? Yeah. Wow. We just became best yeah, nice. think about it. When I see him, I see you know it's it's just like Wrecking Ball. In fact, what if what if Wardlow and Wrecking Ball became a tag team? Unstoppable. I mean, who could beat the Wrecking Balls? <laughs> yeah, the Wrecking Balls. Yeah, there you go. And you're, right. what? you're not from Long oh, Island, as far it. as I'm aware. So Ooh. I think I'm immediately, not, right? No, I'm not. From, I'm not from Long Island. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> uh, which immediately puts you above MJF in my book. Wow. Right. Well, wow. Just buried an entire population of people. Way to go. Joey Styles or something. Everyone knows the true the true class of New York uh, resides in Westchester County, Scarsdale, <laughs> yep. Monsey. Mm-hmm. There you go. Oh no, you uh, you you've sparked some conversation already in the comment section, wanting wanting you versus MJF in uh, on the mic. Oh no. Hey, oh. game on. Whoever <laughs> wins. Wait, hold on. So whoever wins the argument gets Wardlow, right? Works yeah. for me. Oh, I'm so down. Yes. <laughs> oh. All right. I need this to happen now. <laughs> me, you know, me too. Start writing. <laughs> right in your fan mail. Tell Cody what you want. That's right. Tell TNT. He's their champion. Yeah. We can do that. I'm on it. Yeah, tell, tell Tony Khan, whoever will listen. We're yeah. on it. I'm on it. All yeah. right. So before before we go into plugs, anyone else? Any last minute questions? Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a recommendation for the war balls. For war balls. And, <laughs> for uh, Wardlow and Wrecking Ball. Uh, oh. yeah, I would just say before, like, if I could plug, I mean, uh, Northeast Wrestling is, uh, you guys are on high spots, is that correct? Um, yeah, yeah, so so here's, the, so Northeast Wrestling is, there's a section of it on the High Spots Wrestling Network, um, but there's also, um, you know, our own individual pivot share site, which is Northeast Wrestling, one word, dot pivot share, dot com. You can also follow at NEW Wrestling One, on Twitter, that's again all one word with no spaces. Facebook.com slash Northeast Wrestling. Um, we're on Instagram. And uh, yeah, I mean, when wrestling comes back, you know, NEW's gonna be back in a big way. Um, since we have Wrecking Ball on Monday, any, any questions we need to ask him? What you need to ask Wrecking Ball is why on earth he made the biggest mistake of his entire life. When he turned on me, the person who did so much for his career, the person who single-handedly took him from mid-card to main event, heavyweight champion status, and turned on me a couple of years ago, broke apart our friendship, and his career has never been the same, same since. Sad. Sad. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I you, you can tell that, you know, it, it obviously wasn't my fault. Okay. Why would anybody turn down being trust fund approved? Yeah. Exactly. I was paying like... I was literally paying him to hang out with me. Short yeah. side. And he I decided, don't... no, I don't I don't want your free money anymore. Screw you. <laughs> Poor people make the weirdest decisions. I agree. Yeah. 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 Uh getting uh getting your black shirts instead of white shirts is one of them exactly (laughs) yeah wrecking you know wrecking ball he he finally he won't even admit it but his latest t-shirt design is white i wonder Uh, why trying to copy still trying to follow the trends it's good to know one lesson one lesson stuck (laughs) oh this is wonderful before we keep going for another three hours because lord knows i can sit here and do it uh totally agree any anything else you'd like to say? Um, follow me on my social media, which is uh, at Jared Talks Loud on Instagram and Twitter. Again, no spaces, no underscores. Facebook.com slash Jared Talks Loud. And yeah, my Pro Wrestling Tees store, which we've plugged a bunch. That's ProWrestlingTees.com slash Jared Silberclight Trust Fund. You just missed out on the Memorial Day sale. 
but there's definitely going to be more because pro wrestling tees, uh, th- those guys are awesome. So they've all, they've always got great deals going on. And I have all, you know, all these different options for you to accessorize and improve your wardrobe with. I mean, you've got enough trust fund swag there to have a different shirt every day for four days. And then you do laundry and you can wear them all again for the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Would you like to bury Ben before you go? That's another thing. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a recurring theme we have on here is you've got Who's to bury ben? ben in some way. Oh, I recognize that. The one, uh, the one that's wearing exact, the sport coat. He's the exact kind of person I hate. A paycheck to paycheck middle classer who is forever perpetually stuck in a state of dependency in what we call five-figure purgatory. And allow me to give you some advice. Because, you know, I tell my, all my rich friends they want to avoid debt because it's best to pay for things with cash. You, my friend, you need to do the opposite. I know you don't have money, so you need to borrow other people's, uh, you know, other people's. So open up some loans. Banks have some great entry-level offers right now. Credit cards, you can take away, take advantage of some interest-free periods for about a year before you're buried in those monthly payments. We know you're never going to be able to claw yourself out of debt in the first place, so you might as well pretend to be able to purchase some of the things that your friends have access to and convince people you have a little bit more money than you actually do. So I'll be opening a GoFundMe next week if anybody would like to donate. Uh, I couldn't oh. help it. That was excellent. That was the best one so far. That was incredible. That was great. Oh, God. You're welcome. It's not going to get better than that. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for joining us at PWL. <laughs> Mr. Silverclight, thank you so much for blessing us thank you. With, with your appearance and, You're and being on our for show. for making this podcast trust, fun, approved. Thank Ooh. you all. Have a good night. Like, subscribe. Follow me. Follow, yes. Do all of the things. Everybody here. <laughs> oh, damn. Buy more money. That was awesome. <laughs> that was fun. Dude.